Okay, good evening everyone. Broadcasting live, September 30th, 2015. Today we have a quote from the Sangyutta Nikaya. Robin, would you mind reading that for us? Yes. The Brahmin Unaba asked Venerable Ananda, what is the aim of living the holy life under the monk Gotama? It is for the sake of abandoning desire. Is there a way, a practice by which to abandon this desire? There is a way. It is by a means of psychic powers of desire, energy, of thought, and of consideration together with concentration and effort. If that is so, Venerable Ananda, then it is a task without end, because to get rid of one desire by means of another is impossible. Then I will ask you a question, Unamba. Answer as you like. Before, did you not have the desire, the energy, the thought, and consideration to come to this park? And having arrived, did you not have that desire, that energy, that thought, and that consideration cease? Yes, it did. Well, for one who has destroyed the defilements, once he has won enlightenment, that desire, that energy, that thought, and that consideration he had for enlightenment ceases. Okay, there's a couple of points we can make here before we actually discuss it. First of all, psychic power is probably a bad translation. I don't know. It just, it's a little bit strong. Idipada. The word is idipada. Idi means strength or power or influence. And sorry, just trying to find it. Is this even the right? Yeah, Unaha. Okay, Chandas. Chanda Samadhi Padana Sankara Samanagatang Idipadam Bhaveta Bhaveta. So Idipada means the path. Pada is the means or the path or the way. Idi means strength, power, influence. Let's check and see what the Pali English dictionary says about it. There's no single word in English for idi, as the idea is unknown in Europe. The main sense seems to be potency. It comes from the Vedic erdhi, from ard to prosper. Hmm. It doesn't mean psychic power. I mean, that's one meaning of idi, but idi means power, basically, potency success so that's important to be clear what we're talking about here because these four are how you succeed in anything they're generally a means of attaining your goals and so that's the point here is he's saying well how do you attain your goals well if you apply these four things to reality you will gain the goal of understanding reality. And the second point is this translation, desire. Because desire is a tricky word in English. It sounds problematic. Of course, it's it seems to sound problematic in Pali as well because um, it's being understood by the Brahmin as being uh, related to tanha, relating to, to craving, thirst. And rightly so, because desire in some sense does mean that. But the word chanda doesn't actually mean desire. It can have that connotation, but that's not the... It's not the literal meaning. 
and apparently comes from the Sanskrit skandha. No, Sanskrit is chanda as well, but in regards to jumping, it's the uh, impulse, the interest in. Chanda in Thai, they call it contentment, but contentment in the sense of being happy with something, being comfortable with something, being into something. But that's not exact either. So there's Kama Chanda, which is is interest in the sensuality. That's a bad one. But it doesn't exactly mean desire, because desire already in English has too many connotations. It is inevitably a bad thing. You know, it's debatable because this sutta, obviously, he, the Brahman gets it wrong as well. So the only way he could get it wrong is if it did mean something close to desire. But uh, Chanda, you know, how you, how you succeed, if you re relate it to the four idipala, how you succeed in something, you don't succeed because you want it. I mean, that's often what they tell you, but you succeed because you have interest in it, right? But interest is a better word because it can be based on many different things. It can be made based on desire, but it can also be based on wisdom, based on understanding. It can also be based on aversion, you could say. Well, I don't know about that. But it's important, either way, it's important to understand that it's not quite desire that we're talking about. And Ananda tries to put it straight that what we're talking about is this intention, like the, the Brahmin wanted to come to see Ananda. But the wanting wasn't, a, wasn't desire in the sense of um, sense desire, like I, I want an orange or I want a piece of cake or something. He had an intention to come, and actually it was based probably on, it may have been based on ego, it may have been based on um, wholesome, the idea of becoming a better person, you know, so based on wisdom, based on a desire to be a, become a better person, but it's not, this is the word desire becomes dangerous because it sounds like you have an attachment to becoming a good person. When in fact, that's not where the mind state comes from. It comes from wholesomeness. You're not attached to it. Not in that sense. Not in the sense of clinging to it and getting upset if you can't. But in the sense of um, having an understanding. Having a uh, wholesome mind. It makes you want to be a better person. Why is this thing making noises now? No sound. I don't know. There's a lot of argument that goes on about what what is actually meant, whether desire is a proper word to use, what exactly is meant by desire, and so on. A lot of discussion, debate about it. But um, Ananda does Ananda captures the the intricacy of it quite nicely by pointing out that there is a certain aspect of certain kind of chanda that is not habit forming. It's this intention to count to do to to do something you know the intention to go somewhere the intention to um but the intention to attain something and the intention to attain attain something can be based on clinging but it can be based on other reasons so the brahmin didn't have a clinging to going to the park he just had the intention boy i'll go to the park today and so that set him on the path towards the park Chanda can be, chanda in the sense of the idipada is of that sort. It doesn't yet say whether you are attached to it. It just says that you are, uh, for some reason or another, interested in it. 
because that's necessary to succeed in anything good or bad anything positive or negative if you want to succeed in it uh, you need to be interested in it you need to put your heart into it sonjai they say in thai once you're once you're interested in it, then you'll put out efforts, and the next step is effort. So just being interested in something isn't enough. If you're interested in it but never actually get out and do it, that's you'll never succeed. So you need to also put out effort. This is in everything. If you put out effort but you don't pay attention, this is the third one, citta. Thought, thought here means keeping your mind on it. The word is citta, which literally means mind or thought. It can it can be translated as thought. It can also be translated as concentration. So it means to focus on something. So if you if you have energy but you put your energy into all sorts of useless tasks or you don't focus your energy. So you do a little bit and then you stop or then you put your energy into something else or so on. If you're not focused, then your energy doesn't isn't applied to the right task. So again, you can't succeed. Even if you have a lot of energy, but you're not focused, it doesn't work. And number four is, well, consideration is a good translation. Discrimination we often translate it as, vimangsa. Vimangsa means it's not focusing anymore. It's not the aspect of focusing, it's the fact that the aspect of being able to step back and see whether you're doing it correctly so are you focusing on the right thing it's the asking yourself it's like in meditation we step back to see whether we're practicing correctly we step back to see well you know maybe i'm doing going about this wrong you know you're sitting and you're falling asleep so you step back and you say mm, maybe i should stand up and do walking meditation instead of just plowing ahead you change something the ability to adapt so it's this ability in any in any activity to assess and to reassess your your work in order to adjust it so let's see the words just a second here what what are the words that anand used anand says oh he does say it's quite clever he said he says the purpose of the purpose of the brahmachari is the, the holy life is for giving up chanda for the purpose of abandoning chanda but see that's the kind of chanda that is bad chanda that is good is different ananda says it a little differently though he says okay you have chanda in the beginning but you use the chanda to get rid of chanda i'm not convinced i don't think the abhidhamma I mean, he's clever in that, and it's not wrong, but I don't think we should take that entirely as canonical, using desire to overcome desire. You're using chanda, one kind of chanda, to overcome a different kind of chanda. The Brahma says, well, how can you get rid of one chanda by another chanda? How can you, using chanda, overcome chanda? So that's where we have to be clear about what Ananda says, I think, by saying that, He's talking about a specific type. He says, well, don't you have this kind of chanda when you want to come here? And when you came here, wasn't it gone? Well, that wouldn't be the case if it was like kama chanda, like attachment or clinging, because it wouldn't be done with. It would be unwholesome and it would have results, unwholesome results. So you have to kind of understand the word chanda, that it's uh, not exactly desire, it's not, not the word tanha or loba or something. Raga. So Ananda seems to be playing a little bit of a game here. By because normally you wouldn't say it's for over, for giving up chanda. Normally you'd say it would be giving up raga, or by giving up moha or something, by giving up avicca. But here he says chanda, and then he says you use chanda to get rid of chanda. So it's, it, in my mind, it has to be two different kinds of chanda. Because you can't actually use greed to get rid of greed, for example. Okay. So, um, but one, it is a good point that you do have to 
have an intention to practice. You can't just say, oh, well, non-attachment, so I'll just wait for enlightenment to come. It's not like that. You have to be aware that there are two kinds of chanda, that the intention to meditate is important. If it comes, it has to come from the right place, is the point. It has to come from, from a mind that is wholesome, a mind that wants to better create goodness. Anyway, do you have any questions? We do. Bhante, you may have mentioned this previously, but do you plan on doing teachings in chanting through this site? If not, do you know of any musical notations done of the daily chants done in your tradition? I personally would love to learn, but there are a few options for learning. There are a few options for learning via oral osmosis where I live. Oral osmosis. Was that like listening? Is that what you mean? I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, I have lots of plans. Unfortunately, busyness seems to be uh, seems to be continuing. What would you think of um, changing up the structure of the Sunday Sunday group a little bit? Maybe taking a break from the poly and and doing something different in that. Or even even shortening it to to fit with your your own academic schedule a little bit. What do you mean? We've already given up the poly. True, but in place of it, you know, maybe chanting. But but not not adding a whole hour because I know the two hour two hour block is tough, and especially we have a volunteer meeting for an hour before that. But maybe maybe one hour half the Sudimaga and half something else, maybe the other half chanting or Abhidhamma or Jataka stories, possibilities are endless. Yeah, the Visuddhi Magha is pretty heavy, no? Well, this past section has been kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of the book. It the is. Stomach, that, that quote about the stomach just... We, we don't even have to ask any questions because it's so, it's so clear what they're talking about. <laughs> Indeed. There's, there's nothing to the imagination. Nothing at all. But for all the different projects that you want to do, maybe, maybe that's an idea to shorten Visuddhimagga a little bit and, and add in a little bit of uh, something else at the end. It's an mm. idea. Have we gotten halfway through the Visuddhimagga? I guess not yet. Not yet, no. We are that much through about it's a third right it's a third yeah so that's not bad well i don't know i'm my hey you know what anyone who's listening to the audio is getting very very bad audio i apologize um that it's not even that loud i didn't hook my mic up sorry Testing, yes. Mm, that's a bit of a bummer. Apologies for that. I don't know if anyone actually listens to the audio stream, but it's much more, it's much um, less lower latency. Um, okay, well, yeah, um, my gut feeling or my, my reaction is to uh, stay with the Visuddhimagga and, and try and finish it and not do something else on Sunday. Um, just because it's nice to do only to do, to focus on one thing. And if we do try to do too much, it uh, becomes, it gets to be more and more. True. And then we'll never finish the Visuddhi Manga. Um, but I know it's a big book. It's gonna take take time. Uh, but the and my feeling is that the chanting thing would better be done on a daily basis in the evening. It's just I don't have time for it. Now six to seven teaching. 
7 to 7.30 would be about the right block, but... Aren't you meditating then? Start around 7.30. Okay. Can start around 7.30. So maybe that's it, 7 to 7.30 every night. It's also nice to have a little break sometimes. But, I, you know, I'm not that busy. I can, you know, in the afternoon I have time to break. See, chanting is not a problem, but then if I'm going to teach something based on the chanting, well, that's more brain cells. So, Brain cells are not infinite. And when you're only eating in the morning, I think if you're a Buddha, it's easier. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't joke like that. Of course it's easier. Anyway, let's put that one on hold. Any more questions? I think there probably are. Can sex with oneself be considered relatively neutral conduct and thus not breaking the five precepts? Sex doesn't break the five precepts at all, unless it's with someone, unless it's adultery with someone who is already engaged. So a third, the third precept is um, not to break up other people's relationships or uh, have a relationship with when you're in a relationship going behind someone's back that kind of thing Bonte will you be voting in the 2015 Canadian election mm -hmm. I feel like I have a moral moral responsibility to, to vote if I see the opposition parties have the potential for great evil Harper Bill C-51, which I don't know what that is. <laughs> but Harper's not the opposition. Harper is the government. You mean you want to, you want me to vote for Harper be, so you can get that bill through? Because of the opposition parties have potential for great evil? Harper's the government. He's not the opposition. Um, I thought Harper was the great evil. <laughs> But I'm a little bit out of things. People, a lot of people here have told me that Harper's the bad guy. Honestly, I don't... Well, first of all, no, Buddhist monks don't vote. I think that's kind of a rule. Um, <clears throat> but um, that, barring that, I don't see anyone really in the Canadian election. Maybe the NDP, because they seem a little bit more together. I mean, I'm not following the election that closely at all, but I've listened to some of them talk because I like to see leaders talk to get a sense of their honesty and their integrity. Um, I don't get much integrity from Stephen Harper or Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau, it's kind of unfortunate because he gave a really good eulogy at his father's funeral, but I don't think he went anywhere after that. I don't get a sense that he really... Well, they say he's not ready, and that's really, honestly, the feeling I get. He's just not together as a leader. I don't know. I don't know whether I should even be saying this or be so interested. I'm not that interested. It's more, where is this person's mindfulness? He doesn't seem that mindful. Where is their wholesomeness? Well, Stephen Harper doesn't see that wholesome. Seem that wholesome. I think Montclair has a, has some wholesomeness to him. I don't know too much. Again, not so closely following it, but. I get a better feeling from him. Not a great feeling, but a bit better. He gets very angry, doesn't he? <laughs> the only politician right now that is of any interest to me is Bernie Sanders. Because um, he's so sincere. He really yes. does seem to want to help people, to make things better. You can disagree with some of his, his, his ideas and I don't know all of his ideas but when you listen to him talk when he gave this talk at Liberty University he went to these Christians who he knew wasn't going to weren't going to agree with him but he said to them look you know we don't agree on everything but do we not agree that there's something very very unchristian going on in this country and that's you know people are we're not looking after the least among us which is what Jesus said to do we're not even looking after most of us. You know, the rich are 
just running away with all the money I get. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, that's his platform. But he makes, I think, good points. Taking care of, taking care of all of us, and seeing that that if you work forty hours a week, you shouldn't be in poverty. I mean, that kind of thing. I don't know. There's a lot of the Americans have a lot of debates about these things. I just get a sense that he really does. We can disagree with him, but he really does want to help people. That's the sense I get. And he's honest, sincere. I didn't get that from Barack Obama, personally, at all. Don't get that from Hillary Clinton. Don't get that from anyone. I mean, I haven't paid too much attention to the Republican side. But anyway, we should. Robin's going to tell me about. I can Harley. fill you in on the Republican side. In Arena, you think is is. Well, anyway, I, I don't know. Her, I don't know her positions well enough. But um, in on the Republican side, the the candidate who um, proposed a wall between Canada and the U.S. He's dropped out of the race. He didn't have much support. Can you imagine with great ideas like that? Mm -hmm. He didn't have much support. Got it. That was a crazy idea. But. I think rather than let's rather than pointing out individual politicians, that's really the point. Um, I may be completely wrong. Bernie Sanders may be evil and so on, but it's a it's an apt comparison. There are politicians, it seems, who have who who are completely a um, an image, and they're not sincere. They don't. They may be. They may have a nice heart, a good heart inside. I don't know, but. It doesn't shine through. They're putting on an act. And I know that good people can do that. They can fall into this need to put on an act, right? It's not probably still not wholesome, but it doesn't mean they're bad people. But it's just that's not it's not good enough to 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 say all the right things but not be sincere about them, to not really have a feeling for it. Um, and I, and there are certain politicians that seem to, I mean, there are very few of them, but there are people who, who, who have an interest in helping the world who really are sincere about it. They often get assassinated, though, I think. I don't know, it wasn't Gandhi. Gandhi had some good ideas. Isn't he a good example? He was killed. Martin Luther King, he was sincere, right? Yes. I understand that. I think South Donald, Donald Trump is pretty sincere. <laughs> I don't know. I've never listened to anything he's ever said, so I don't know. He's finally dropping in the polls. I've been I've been um, waiting for this, but he's finally dropping in the polls. Everyone seems to think he's Satan incarnate. I haven't listened to anything he said. He is what he is, but I don't think he's a diplomat. I don't think he's um, someone to represent a, a country. I understand that a Sotapanna has no view of self, but does that mean that they don't believe in a self, a self, or that they don't feel that they are a self? Means both. They both don't believe and don't feel. Well, it's interesting, you know, the word feel does make it a bit tricky because a Sotapanna still has conceit. And so they still have what you might call the remnants of self in them. They don't have the view of self, but actually, yes, they still can give rise to the feeling of self. What they don't have is ditti, the view of self, the belief of self. But the feeling can still arise. So sorry, it's actually right. It is different. And no, they don't have both. It isn't both. They can still feel the idea of a self. It's just a feeling that they get. And they can even have the thought. But when the thought comes up, they say, no, that's wrong. They're clear that that's wrong. So it's just like a habit. Just yeah. the habit of thinking of yourself. Everything with the Sotapanna could be considered a habit. They don't have this seed left to to perpetuate defilements for eternity. It's not possible. They've they've pulled the plug, and it's just a matter just waiting for the water to drain out. They've broken the dam, and it's just waiting for the. It's a crack. You know, the crack you can't fix. It's going to leak. 
So all the defilements are just, at that point, you could say they're just habits, very ingrained habits, strong habits sometimes, but they'll never amount to, they can never perpetuate, they can never restart the engine. The engine is off, you're just coasting at that point, waiting for it to stop. When a being sees a fellow being with a pure and peaceful mind and decides to take up meditation, is this a form of desire or chanda? I would say it's chanda. I'm careful with the reluctant with the word desire because for me it's already negative connotation you're spelling chanda wrong one day when i do sitting meditation keeping my back straight sometimes my arms get tense gradually without noticing at first when i do notice this should i only note it or should i mindfully relax my arms as well you really should note it. That's a good one to note. Because true, think of it like a massage. You, you go to get these Thai massages and they hurt like heck, but when you're finished, um, your whole body is relaxed. Um, so the ten, going through the tension is useful. The difference here is that you're actually teaching the mind to let go. So by not reacting to it, you allow the tension to um, work its way through. And unlike a Thai massage where it comes back the next week and you have to get another one, letting the tension continue and even pain continue, you work your way through it and you feel so much more relaxed and the pain is, is not chronic. So people have tense shoulders, tense backs, tense arms. Um, but you know, let it go. It will... It, it's... Um, part of the healing process you'll find that your arms relax but they'll do that naturally you shouldn't consciously do it just note the tension it's good for you it's like a massage lately during meditation i inevitably find myself trying to control the breath so that the st stomach rises and falls more noticeably than it normally would this leads to taking breaths that aren't full or satisfying and every 10 or so breaths, I end up needing to actively take a deeper, more satisfying breath to compensate for this. I find these deeper breaths uncomfortable and difficult to maintain mindfulness through. Do you have any advice? I mean, no, you're seeing impermanent suffering and non-self. That's great. That's what you should be seeing. I mean, that's classic. Everyone will go through that. You should. Everyone should read that paragraph. And, and when you feel it, remember that that's normal. You know, that's... Maybe you won't. Maybe someone will be able to feel, will find their way through it. But for most of us, we struggle through that. You know, realizing that we're controlling, realizing that trying to control things leads to suffering, realizing that it's unsustainable, realizing that the breath changes. Sometimes noticeable, sometimes not noticeable. Your point, your, your, um, you're reacting to reality and that's normal what you should do is acknowledge it all when you realize that you're controlling just say knowing knowing when you feel that you're breathing in in you know suddenly you take a deep breath and say feeling feeling if it feels uncomfortable or so on disliking if you dislike it because this is the process it's the process of your mind coming to terms with the fact that it it can't control so to changing the way it looks at at the experience from trying to be in control of everything to learning to just let go and from thinking that control is actually beneficial to coming to see that control leads to suffering which allows you to let go this stomach you think it's a simple ridiculous object but just watching the stomach teaches you so much about life right when you stop trying to control this by extension, everything in your life, that same attitude is going to find its way into the rest of your life. You stop trying to force people. You stop trying to force events. You stop trying to uh, force your own mind. You stop trying to force your life. You stop trying to control it. You stop clinging. 
if you stop clinging to one thing if you get the the uh, habit get into the habit of experiencing rather than uh, controlling or changing or chasing uh, it it applies then it changes the way you look at everything else because the building blocks are all the same so you're doing okay just be patient with it and be as mindful as you can of everything including your emotions and reactions if someone we know is going to do a bad deed would it be okay to try and stop them yeah within reason I mean, it could be wholesome to try and stop them but you should know your limits you know you should never be concerned with actually stopping them and this is useful it's a useful way of finding the line you should not actually be worried about stopping them you should do your your part to um, express your disapproval I mean that sometimes appears that you're stopping them but if you say if you tell them wrong and you say look no don't do that or you even get in their way and they say get out of my way I'm doing it at some point and if you're mindful you'll feel it is the point where you have to back off you have to say they are their own person and so in that the feeling you get is it's not really trying to stop them it's doing your duty as a friend or whatever and that's important because it's going to vary if it's your parents then you're, you don't have a duty to stop them you have a duty maybe to remind them, you know, to alert them to the fact that they might be doing something they're going to regret. But you have less of a duty than if they're your child. If they're your child, then it is your place and it is proper to actually stop them, prevent them. And so the the amount of interest of interference you're going to have is going to vary is going to vary depending on your role in your relationship. But definitely there comes a line where you sh that you shouldn't cross. It's difficult when you have, for children, it's difficult. If your child is doing something really, really bad, sometimes that line is difficult to find. Sometimes, well, definitely we mostly cross it and get angry and yell at them and hit them and so on. But um, I think if you're, you know, you have to be enlightened to really get it, but debatable as well because if you're enlightened you might just abandon your kid <laughs> depending on their situation can I ask an embarrassing question uh, it's an orange person never meditated with us mm. I don't know yeah because we want to help so okay sure but Bryce you know that this is a meditation community so if you want help with your embarrassing question the best help has got to be start meditating if you haven't done meditation before read my booklet on how to meditate and come meditate with us because right now you're you're considered a non-meditator in this community but yeah if you have an embarrassing question you could ask it here if you don't mind being embarrassed Bhante, why would I choose a Buddhist tradition over another? I've learned everything I know from Theravada and I feel pretty comfortable. But many times I've, I have been said when asked that all paths lead to the same wholesomeness and follow the Buddha's words. Thank you for your time. Horse feathers. Not all practices follow the Buddha's words. First of all, non-Buddhist paths don't follow the Buddha's words and they contradict the Buddha's words in many fundamental ways. Second, many Buddhist paths, by their own admission, don't follow the historic Buddha's words. They follow the words of their teachers. Other paths, other Buddhist paths, claim that the Buddha taught things after, taught things that he hid until after he died, and that magically surfaced or were kept by the Naga kings or, or whatever, and magically surfaced sometime later in the hands of scholars who proclaimed a new version of Buddhism. Now, I don't think many people take that legend very seriously, even the people who follow those teachings. So, um, you might follow this tradition if you really think it's important to take the historic Buddha's words as the highest. 
you might follow another tradition if you don't think that's so important and you think it's important to adapt the teachings for modern times and to come up with new teachings we have follow new teachers that kind of thing go your own way it depends on your views Theravada takes very seriously both the teachings of the original Buddha and the teachings of the tradition that followed after the Buddha some people don't like that tradition so they don't know where they fit in they like the historic Buddha but they don't like the tradition that preserved his teachings so lots of different ways you can fit in how can regret be managed through meditation Regret is an emotion, so you just acknowledge it. So, I mean, it's inevitable. If you've done bad things, you'll often feel regret. So just acknowledge feeling sad, sad, angry, frustrated, and so on. You'll let go of it eventually. Can I say one thing? Mm -hmm. through, meditation, through meditation, you also um, develop less quick reactions and more restraint, so you'll hopefully have less to regret mm. will all beings eventually attain Nibbana no could it be mindfulness meditation using mantras can get in the way with vipassana meditation no can you subjectively describe your experience of reality currently compared to before you began meditating no. does the world does the world look different to you? I can't say. Not when I to talk about my own experiences, sorry. When I spent a lot of time meditating last year, my life began to feel like a smooth playing movie. Awesome, good for you. Congratulations. As a monk, we're not allowed to talk about ourselves, our own experience, our own results of meditation to lay people. Well, not maybe not the results, but how about before you were ever a meditator as compared to yourself as a meditator have you seen a difference hmm. <laughs> are we finding loopholes here sure <laughs> why why does it matter why don't you check out yourself More that's a good answer find out for yourself if you practice and it doesn't i don't know i mean that's a bit of it's a bit of a cop out because we do want to see results it's more just as a monk i have to be careful because i don't want to be we, we have we can't be we can't uh, put ourselves in a position where people um, admire us and not admire but to like adore us and that kind of thing we have to be careful Right, we don't, we don't, I mean, and not in that sense, but it's like where people think of you as something. We don't, we, we don't, we can't be put up there because we rely on people to feed us, right? And so if we become suddenly this person is this, this person is that, this person has attained this, this person has attained that, then of course there are people who are going to want to give to that person, are going to want to support that person. And that creates real problems in the monastic community because then those who haven't start to lie about it or they feel they try to pretend that they are and that kind of thing so we try to be we have to be very careful about putting promoting ourselves people i think a lot of people criticize having this hangout thing you know someone said the position of this this camera what was it it was like below and so people were looking up at me or something like that like this <laughs> <laughs> Someone called, oh, someone, it was a horrible comment, really. I think I deleted it. <laughs> called me an ass, ass monk. Oh. Yeah, awful, no? That is terrible. I mean, I mean, really, the great thing about insults and criticisms is that they, they, they have, offer you a chance to reflect. And we should look at that. And that, that's important. That's an important outlook. We should take the time to say, you know, do, am I really an ass monk? Um, whatever that is that's that's just wrong speech right um, but I think some of the things he said I can look at and say okay you know and this is it's true I mean it's a point but you know whatever not really concerned with that but 
Um, you have to be careful. Uh, this kind of thing could easily be seen as as uh, self-promotion, self-aggrandizing. But uh, yeah, I mean, well. I think at local monasteries, though, don't people come and visit the monks and chat with the monks after, you know, after chanting and, and so forth and ask questions? I mean, you can ask questions, but you shouldn't. It's not that you shouldn't. It's that the monks have to be careful not to aggrandize, not to get into self-aggrandizing or not get into promoting themselves, self-promotion. Sure. It causes problems. We want to be seen as just the monks, the sangha. And, you know, it's like the army, for example. Yeah, everyone has rank and file, and you have to work as a unit. So, I mean, it's really, it's nothing to do, nothing that you should all be concerned with. It's just a monastic thing that we have to, it's part of our discipline. So why I say that is because it actually is important to talk about experiences. It is important to get examples and to, to be clear that this has benefits. So... We often do that with lay people. You know, we'll ask lay people what they get from it. Show the benefits that you get. And among monks, we'll try to be clear the benefits that we get from it, talking to each other. It's just the dynamic here is monks talking to lay people. We do have to be careful. If, if Lifted Mind is interested in... in um lay people's views of it you have some really good interviews with meditators on interviews i don't know how like we have to find someone who's really inspiring but that's i mean it's not easy to talk on camera a couple of them are good no yeah there there was one that was terrific it was um i think it was back when you were in sri lanka maybe or, or thailand it's an mm -hmm. older one i'll try to find it and post it in the comp and post it in the chat it was a video really a, a video it was at least like 30 minutes long or 40 minutes long it was from several years ago it was a, a young asian man and he just did a terrific job of explaining young um, asian man. yes hmm. yeah I'll, I'll try to find it and post it in the comments i i mm -hmm. got a lot out of watching they're all good they're all really mm -hmm. really good but he was just very eloquent really in describing how much benefit it was to him Oh, that's awesome. I don't can't remember which one that was. Post it in the comments. Um, and Lifted Mind has been meditating, but his question mark is still yellow, so something's wrong. Really? Yeah. I've been meditating 30 minutes morning and night. I'm not sure why my question mark is yellow. Oh, if it was... it, you have to be on the list. If you look at the list here and you've already gone off the list, then you're, you haven't meditated recently enough. So it's not a problem. If you have been meditating, we're, we can click on your profile and see that you have actually done some meditation. But it is nice if we've been meditating recently because then your questions are going to be more based on your practice. I think you've already answered this question before, but the question is, don't you think if monks talked about their attainments, it would motivate people to practice more? Yeah, it's just something we can't do. What is a good way to help children develop concentration, especially if they might have ADHD? Should concentration be developed in children before mindfulness or in order to develop mindfulness? Yeah, you could say that, but sometimes that's just as difficult. Having them practice samatha meditation might be just as difficult. I've had good success with a few people using my DVD on how to meditate. Of course, it uses samatha and vipassana techniques. Um, see, the thing about samatha is they're easier for kids. They're more interesting. So if you say blue, 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 that's fine. I, I don't actually know if that's really true because they had just as much, just as much um, success noting sad, sad. I had this three and five-year-old, uh, Clara. Did do an interview with Clara ever? She's a really great but I, I taught her two kids, three and five years old. I didn't, I gave them, she gave them the DVD videos. And uh, they were telling each other. If they felt sad, you'd say, you have to say sad, sad. The five-year-old is telling the three-year-old. It's really not that difficult. And 
know, check out my DVD and for some ideas. It's my take on it. So if you're interested in my answer to your question, check out the DVD. There's some ideas. Not the DVD, the playlist, How to Meditate for Kids, A Children's Guide to Peace. Thank you, Bhante. I'm lazy online, but I'm committed to meditating. Thanks for your example. I want to overcome my desire. Indeed, the best place to do this would be in a monastery. In the past, I've been addicted to sex, and although I'm confident I would remain celibate in a monastery, my fear is that I will have erections and even spontaneous reactions that would not make me worthy of the robe. Yeah, you shouldn't feel like that, because you're going to go through this. I'm being a, Becoming a monk is not being perfect. There are there are tracts and tracts of, of texts about monks who had these problems and dealt with them. I talk, monks, we talk about these things. I've just, I was kind of shocked actually how monks are, you know, they're open about talking about these things, about how certain cloths are used for um, nocturnal emissions and this kind of thing. Um, you know, it, 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 we're, we're all going through the same thing. That's what you go through when you ordain. You're working on it. So absolutely not a reason. And there are, you know, I've, I've heard monks disrobing because they, they can't control their sexual desires, but there are means in place to help with that. You know, if you, if you masturbate, you have to go, you just go on probation. You don't just go on probation. You should take it. That's quite a serious offense, but it doesn't mean you should disrobe. There are, there's a way of dealing with it. You then go on a 10 day probation and uh, you, you practice diligently and you try again. It's not about avoiding these things. It's about learning about them and understanding them. And the bold, bold claim is that when you approach them objectively, you let go of them. You don't increase in your desire for them. You decrease in your desire for them. When you approach them, when you look at them, when you actually give them the opportunity to present their case, you find them guilty as charged. I don't understand how it is not true that all beings will eventually attain Nibbana. Isn't existence eternal and therefore all beings will have an infinite amount of attempts to experience Nibbana? Who said that beings are, are finite? infinite amount of time plus infinite amount of beings divided by infinite amount of beings still equals one Bonte, I must ask a very important question it is more is it more important I'm sorry is it more important than meditation to meditate am I reading that wrong <laughs> This person has never done meditation with us. They may be a troll. And if they're not, they're a non-meditator. Is it more important than meditation to meditate? Okay. And they didn't use the question mark. We're going to start <laughs> docking points if you don't use the question mark for questions because that makes it harder for Robin. You put a question yeah. mark before your question. Use the little button on the left. Yes, I'll post the video in the YouTube comments as well that I referred to for two thumbs fresh, sure. I don't use phones that have apps. I don't use phone that have apps, but the web page is not working properly for me also. Hmm. I cannot add profile or country or anything, and it seems like nothing sticks. Might just be my old computer. That's probably your web browser. You should upgrade your web browser to something current. Many people are still using web browsers that are unsafe, let alone broken. Um, either use Firefox or Chrome is what I, I recommend Firefox, not Internet Explorer. But if you upgrade your Internet Explorer, it's still useful, should be usable. I don't know. I haven't tried it with Internet Explorer. I don't recommend it anyway. Firefox is the best browser out there. 
And if you're lazy, Chrome is good because it updates automatically, so you don't have to worry about it. Firefox does sort of, doesn't it? I don't, I don't know. We I used to use Firefox because that was my preferred browser as well. But every time at work that there was an upgrade, we're not allowed to don download our own upgrades. We have to get the IT team in there. Mm -hmm. And that could take a very long time. So um, finally, they said, if you switch over to Chrome, you'll never have to call us for this. So I did. Mm -hmm. Bhante, would you say that there is a fate? I'm very intrigued in your beast sayings, so I'm very curious to you. Would you say that life can help you through situations if you are good in your heart morally? Does moral even meet, even matter anything anymore at all if you can see things without labels and for what it is? They're very good questions. Also a non-meditator. Are you not meditating? But they're good questions. I know I don't think there's fate. Um, thank you for being interested in what I have to say. Would you say that life can help you through situations? Feel good in your heart morally. I don't quite understand that. Oh, life can help you, right? If you're good in your heart, that life helps you, or God basically what helps you, right? Um, no, that's not more, that's not um, fate. That's the power of goodness. Goodness is inherently powerful in that it it leads necessarily to, to goodness uh, to happiness so life doesn't help you through it the goodness itself helps you through it morality is goodness goodness helps you through it does morally even matter well an arahant could be considered to be amoral in that they don't act because something is moral they just do not act naturally but they appear to be very moral they would never perform something that would be intrinsically immoral but they would they're kind of amoral in the sense that they're beyond good and evil they don't have any desire to do good or evil and, and they act functionally but they would never do, they, they have no defilements by which they would perform an immoral act. I just want to ask a question about fate versus karma. I mean, I, I know there's a difference, but they kind of seem, um, and what's the difference between fate and karma? Karma isn't airtight. If it were airtight, there'd be no escape. There'd be no way to get out of it. It would be fate. But karma just describes the potential result. Like a good deed cannot give a bad result, and a bad deed cannot give a good result. It doesn't mean that there's a one-to-one -one relationship. Um, it's just a way of talking about the, the relationship between states and their results. It doesn't describe everything. Thank you, Bhante. And it's not even core Buddhism. We should not think that karma is core Buddhism. It's not really. It's um, a way of describing... Uh, the interactions between reality and it, and the way we understand karma is fairly inexact. But much more important, as I've said before, is the nature of individual experiences. And this is why an arahant gets beyond karma, they're not interested in it. What's most important to an arahant is the nature of experience. Every experience is impermanent suffering and non-self. That's key. Yeah, sometimes people get really interested in karma or gamma and Buddhism Stack Exchange, people will ask these questions about exactly, yeah, yeah. specifically, what, what exactly is, is going to be the karmic effect, as if, yeah. as if anyone knows. As if anyone knows. Have you kept in touch with any of the ordained monks from your Sri Lankan videos? Are they still living the monastic life? I haven't. Um, yeah, some, some problems there. Uh, we kind of fell apart. The, the one uh, samaneri 
from America. We kept in touch for a bit, but we've been out of touch now. But she'd be the only one I'm still in touch with. There was a bit of um, a falling out with one of the others, and then one of them was her friend, and then dynamics. Oh, there was some dynamics there. I don't want to go into it. The interview with Sumeda is very good also. Oh, uh, yeah. Do we have an interview with her? I check. She's nice. I don't know. I mean, there was a huge monastic dynamics are living together in a in a in a in a, in a, in a limited space, right? Having to live with each other, especially when you're not blood relatives. When I first went back to Thailand as a monk, I was there not even a month, two weeks, I think. And I was sitting in the dining room eating breakfast, and suddenly there was a clang of one of these metal platters being pushed out of the way. And this one monk stood up and started pounding another monk, <laughs> gave him a bloody nose. And so I stood up. There was like 20 of us sitting around eating. And I alone, new monk, I'd been a monk for, well, I'd been a monk for a year, but I'd been in Canada. So I'd only been back in Thailand about two weeks. Stood up, went over and grabbed him around, <laughs> around the, his arms and pulled him away. Didn't make a friend, really. But there was blood everywhere. It was just crazy. So yeah, things happen. That's not even that. That's the least of it. I mean, <laughs> the things that go on. I'm still looking for the other meditator interview that was especially good. Okay, I'm gonna go. I know there are probably more questions, but it's ten o'clock. It is. It's been a long day. We didn't even talk about most important thing. Well, not most important. Today, we had the first general meeting of the McMaster Buddhism Association, which was awesome. And today, Robin had an important meeting that we didn't get to talk about. Although, do we even want to talk about it here? Um, summaries of it, but I think a lot of the things are still really in the discussion okay. phase. So, probably once you know more decisions are made, definitely. Let's talk about it later then. Sure. But the first meeting of the McMaster Buddhism Association was an awesome success. And uh, it's left me a little bit tired because I was sort of leading the meeting. But um, a great turnout. Well, not a huge, like maybe 20 people, maybe. That's good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not like a Christian society or something where lots of people are going to join. Or a minority, but really a good turnout and, and people were interested and gave good suggestions. So we're going to have like, uh, someone wants to do a field trip. Uh, we thought to do a, we're going to organize a walk, a nature walk through the nature area that goes, apparently, I was just remembering, someone told me there's a way, there's an exit from the nature paradise, the nature preserve right near here or fairly close to here. So we can go from McMaster University into the nature preserve and then walk around all the way to this house. So we thought to do that as an activity. We're going to, people want to hold movie nights just sort of as a social thing. Wanted to have a socials where we get together and just to meet each other. I mean, these are you know not heavy-duty Buddhism things, but it's neat to have people interested and uh, in, enthusiastic. There's a group in this area that does um, a Buddhist movie uh, nights. They have they have different movies with Buddhist themes. There's uh, there's quite a few actually. Hmm. Different traditions, lots of different traditions though. Hmm. Oh, and the two more translations too. That's news too. Oh yeah, two new, three new translations. I have in front of me the Hindi translation, which is a mess. Translation probably may be good, but. It's not using a Unicode font, um, and I'm trying to turn it into Unicode. Which, like they use K capital S 
for the owl. I mean, it makes sense if you're using, if you're, you know, it's a system of, it's, an, it's a non-standard system. K capital X for something. And what was the other one, Turkish? Turkish and Swedish, those two are up. That's awesome. But Hindi's going to take a little bit of work here. Not that much work. I think I've got a handle on it. Anyway, that's all for tonight, folks. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Bhante. Thank you, Robin, for being a part. Good night. Thanks, everyone. Good night.